Welcome to the Grow Your Money Podcast, where we're on a mission to change how we talk about money. Our fireside chats are the heart of our show, bringing the energy and excitement of in-person events straight to your ears. We aim to connect you with inspiring voices and stories that matter, sharing relatable experiences and insights that will transform your financial life. Everyone deserves access to practical financial knowledge. So we're making money conversations relatable by inviting guests from all walks of life to share their real-life experiences with money. But this isn't your typical money show. We look at the emotional, psychological, and cultural factors that shape a relationship with money. So hit subscribe and join us for another episode of the Grow Your Money podcast. Okay, my name is Jonathan, and uh, I will be taking you through a couple of questions. It should be a relaxed discussion. Yeah. So to start with, may I know who you are? Yes. Just... Um, I'm Nina. My name is Nina Mohanty. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Bloom Money. And we're a fintech company that serves diaspora communities across the UK. Okay. What's your background in terms of ethnicity? and? Oh, complicated question. So I am American born and raised. I grew up um, in California, but my parents are immigrants to the US. So my father is Indian uh, from the state of Orissa, and my mother is Taiwanese from Taipei. So my first language is Mandarin Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact about me. There you go. How about you, Henry? My name is Henry Ray. And uh, I originally I came from Uganda uh, around 2001, and I've been in this country now for almost that is around uh, 21, 22 years. Yeah, and uh, when I came here, I started. Uh, I came to learn uh, information and technology, but because of finances, things fail. So I had to change the route and go into social care. And apparently I work as a, a social care worker with people with autistic. Okay, yeah. that's good. Actually, it's good talking about uh, a yeah. financial situation. So in this episode, we're going to explore the unique financial challenges and experience faced by immigrants to the UK. And through this, we can use our you know personal stories expert insight, practical advice. So feel free to discuss things around financial um, issues. Yeah. So if you have to describe your relationship with money using an emoji, what <laughs> you <don't> describe? <laughs> an emoji. My financial relationship in an emoji would be the dancing lady, you know, in the red dress. Oh, tell me about dancing. that. Uh, That's a nice one. Because, um, because I I love money. <laughs> I love money. I love to spend money, but I also work hard for my money, um, and so I work hard, play hard, and I very much have certain things that I'm willing to spend money on, and some things that I will, you know, forever buy bargain brand soap or whatever so that I can get my nails done or to go oh, on a holiday, uh, some things like that. But yeah. overall, nice. the personality is dancing lady. Yeah. <laughs> That's all nice. Henry. Oh, mine is a good one. Oh, 
you know why I mean I said this? No. I just crack the brain to see that at least every day I can get money. And sometimes to say, just scratching in the pocket to see if there is enough money, you know? Mm. Yeah, and I know uh, with that gives me more an instinct of thinking, mm. looking forward to communicate to other people my needs so that I can get money. I keep on doing it like this, make my brain remember if I can have more money, you know? Mm. And on the other hand, sometimes I say, oh, I will get that big ship. <laughs> I don't get that big ship. A big ship is like, a, it signifies something which is very big. Mm. Then knowing that I will get more money, you know? Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. If you were to create a pers personal financial theme TikTok, what would it be and what would the hashtag be? Right. So, most of my TikTok... Is that okay if I go first, Henry? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, go on. Most of my TikTok, I'll admit, is dog talk. So, watching videos of dogs. Uh, or chef talk watching people cooking food so this is very difficult because i don't know much about money talk but um i would start a trend where it would be people sharing what they have saved for or bought using their blue money circle and the hashtag would be circle time well that's interesting <laughs> that's one yeah yeah, how about yeah, mine is almost you know, different than yours. However, I'm not a person of TikTok. It's something new to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something new to say. But however, what I can I would do is the use the big ship. Mm -hmm. I'll scratch for a big ship and wait for it to come. Yeah. Then from there I would use the 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 same big ship create a name of a TikTok so that the, it can help me to get more money through friends, yeah. <laughs> if, if I may ask you, Nina, what's the one financial goal you have this year? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, the one financial goal I have for myself this year is I would like to... I would like to add more to my savings for my home deposit because I would really like to buy a house. Um, but of course you have to have a down payment and um, I have some money saved up, but I would like to add to it. So let's, let's be big. Let's think bold. I'm going to add another 15,000 pounds. Wow. That's nice. To that's my goals, yeah. savings. Mm. That's my goal. Let's see yeah. if I can meet it. Mm. Big goals, though. Actually, it's almost the same what you were saying. Some few months I bet with my banker, and we set a year of financial goal. Can you imagine? Yeah. Whereby I'm to buy a house on mortgage, and we are looking for means how real I can have that deposit. Mm. So putting down for buying the house. Nice. Yeah, and some few days, he, the, my financial rang me and said, oh, how much have you saved? I said, look here, the environment is still hard. Mm -hmm. Whatever comes in, I spend it and it's all done. So 
it's still a dilemma really but however that's the financial goal to see that i can save body then i can be able to buy my own house rather than renting you know mm. yeah oh that's interesting do you do who do you see as your role model who do i see as my role model oh or do you have a role model <laughs> do you want to go first henry who's your role model uh, my role model is my son and my daughter, both of them. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I can explain it to you. <laughs> uh, but the, my son, being a role model, is hardworking. Mm. And he's That's... bringing more money for saving. But still yet, my daughter is still young in high school. He's not yet earning. But uh, I just see her coming up to be my role model alongside the brother. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. How about you? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I very much admire my own mother. I feel like I, that's an easy way out is to, to talk about your mother. But my mother is the smartest woman I know. And oh, that's nice. Yeah. She... She's very active about learning and self-improvement. She's very good at investing uh, money. So that's one. And then I guess a celebrity one. I'm being cheeky. Whoa. I'm going to have two. My celebrity role model is Michelle Obama. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yes. I, she's incredible, a very graceful, mm. compassionate leader. Mm-hmm. And I strive to be like her. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move on to our next discussion. Um, what was the biggest financial difference between the UK and your home country? And how have you adjusted to it? I feel like Henry has a lot to add here. Well, I would think my financial difference was in... Well, born in the poor economies in Africa, I come from Uganda. And uh, born in uh, the rural family with a rudimental background, mm-hmm. where the finance, I mean, the money was so hard to, to get, you know. Mm, it was so hard. Now, compared to coming to UK, I found there is, it's much better here in UK, financially. When you earn a small job, you get that money. It can give you better li- steady living, you know compared to the one in Africa. And in terms of um, the rural areas that you're talking about, are the, you know, transactions were the same? What kind of currency well, use the, compared to the U.S.? Oh, the currency, let's say in Uganda, is Uganda shilling, yeah? It is in shillings, but the, it's quite hard for people in the rural to have money mm-hmm. on themselves. They can till the land, get food, eat food, and it's so hard for someone if they don't even grow crops for commercial. You find someone who grow little crops which they can use for their own everyday meal. Mm-hmm. And maybe some who have grown food, but that's by the time we you know before I came to this country. Mm-hmm. And some who grow more food, you find they can butter it in exchange where someone wants rice, another one wants sweet potatoes, then you find exchange like in form of butter, mm. butter exchange. So it would be rare to see people with money, you know. Mm. Yeah. And when you talk about money, do you, you know, talk about 
cash or credit cards could all oh, money. Okay, okay. So what's that difference yeah, for you? The difference uh, there is that uh, like your credit card mm -hmm. is something new until we came to Europe, you know. But even now in Uganda, some people have never seen a credit card, you know. Mm -hmm. Some have not seen enough cash on themselves because being living in a rural environment, mm -hmm. at least those who live in the urban. But on the other hand, those who is credit card also is hard. They have not seen credit cards. Mm -hmm. they, it's something still limited, especially in Africa compared to here in Europe. And did you still use cash when you were here? Or? Uh, when I came here initially, of course, that's quite a long time ago, I was using cash, but things have changed now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like for the last five years, I've not heard any cash in hands with me, which is something unique. Sometimes you go, you think you're not going to be served or not going to be helped because you don't have money on you. You know, but things have changed now. I'm getting used to that. I have to adjust. So I'm using the card as well. And does that worry you sometimes? What's the feeling? Well, well it's not worrying me when I'm here in Europe, but mm. if I move out like in Africa, it's something different. How well, we need cash, you know. I have to transact to draw cash. Then my even my money on the card again is charged. They charge percent for using it to draw cash in Africa. Mm. Of course, it would be a card based for Europe, UK. Yeah, so I think that's the horror scenario, you know. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. You're listening to the Grow Your Money podcast. We'll be right back after giving our partners a well-deserved shout-out. Looking for a trusted banking partner? Look no further than the Royal Bank of Scotland. With their rich heritage and their comprehensive financial services, they're here to support your personal and business banking needs. Experience seamless transactions, innovative digital solutions, and expert guidance tailored to your goals. Join millions who trust RBS with a brighter financial future. Visit their branches or explore their online banking at www.rbs.co.uk. Make group gifting easy and show someone how much you care with GiftRound. Whether it's farewells, birthdays, or just a thank you, their platform makes it simple for colleagues, friends, and families to collect money for group gifts. Create a GiftRound today and celebrate together. Visit giftround.co.uk to learn more today. How about you, Nina? Well, I am from the U.S., so I think... My experience is quite different to yours, Henry. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been in the UK now for 10 years. Um, and what I would say is broadly the financial system is the same. You know, you have a current account in the UK, but you have a checking account in the US. You have a savings account or, you know, various different naming differences, but broadly it's the same thing. We have cards, we use cards. Mm. I did notice, though, when I moved to the UK, uh, we have what's called faster payments. So if you give me your bank details, uh, I can just send you money right now. Nice and easy. Wow. Very quick, yeah. right? But in the US, we use a lot of apps like PayPal or Venmo because mm -hmm. we don't have faster payments. If I tried to send you money to your bank account, it would take, at best, two to three business days mm -hmm. to arrive to you. Um, so that's something that they're working on in the States. Um, I think here we also have more contact lists. 
Uh, I, I mean, that's something yes. that is fairly new as a technology, but um, you know, now I just tap everywhere, just contactless pay. But I also was, your story, Henry, made me think mm. about when I go to see my parents' families. Mm. And I was, in, I was in India just last year to see my family and we still use a lot of cash. Mm. Um, in Taiwan, people actually have some, there's an interesting divide. You have people who use cash often at the markets, yes. right? Mm. Um, but then you also have mobile money. So I don't know if this is a thing in Uganda. It, it, it's like, the same. There is mobile pay. money, yes. yes. Yeah. Mm. So that's something in Taiwan and India and Uganda, I guess that's yes. more. Mm. Even say, Kenya and Rwanda, those countries, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's actually perhaps even more advanced than the UK, where you can just yes. pay with your phone with a yeah. QR code. So there's a lot of differences depending on where you are. Mm. But I think the biggest thing for me to understand when I first moved here mm -hmm. was um, just basic things like rebuilding a credit score and why that was important to me here in the UK and that I couldn't bring my credit score from the US here. So yes, lots of lots of changes. So how have you adjusted to that? Does that still feel, you know, difficult, <gasps> challenging? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's funny, I, I, I check my credit score quite often. I now am a business owner myself. And so it's even more important for me to have a strong credit score, especially if you want to buy a house, it's important to have a strong credit score. But one of the things is if you come from a country where there isn't a credit score, then you're wondering what is a credit score and why do I need this? And why can't I get a loan, right? Um, for me, I had an interesting problem where I came from the US where I had a very strong credit score, but I couldn't bring that with me here. And so I had to start from scratch. And it had very interesting problems where, I don't know if you had this problem, Henry. Um, I wanted to get a mobile phone contract, but they, when they, they do that, they run a credit check on you to make sure that you're good to pay your contract yeah. every yes. month. Mm -hmm. But I didn't exist. No. I didn't yeah. have a credit file. And so they said, well, sorry, we can't give you a phone contract because you don't even exist in our system. So that's something that um, we had to kind of find these little hacks to work around them. My friend put down her bank details. Um, and then slowly, a few years later, we moved it to my bank account details. But you know, I got, I was lucky. I had a friend who had a British bank account that could do that for me. At the time, I didn't even have a bank account either. And opening a bank account is really difficult here Actually, too. Actually, I think it was the same to me as well. I yeah. had to gain, I build my credit score from other people. Yeah. Not using my own details. Mm. Because on the other hand, you find like, if you go in a shop like to buy a, a phone, and again, even there was that type of, I mean, stereotyping someone's car out and background, someone would just see it by body language that, oh, this person might be tricky. Mm -hmm. He will not buy a phone and pay back. So you'll go through difficult situation whereby you cannot buy direct yourself from the shop mm -hmm. because they will not trust you. You don't have great score, which is high, which is not good. Moreover, coming here, it was something new, which we didn't know, you know. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which takes a long time, yeah. yeah. And again, you are trying just to that. Would yeah. that have felt different if you were using cash? Or? Actually, as I said, like now 22 years in this country, to adjust to that is still even not the same. Yeah. I would think even to people who are born and raised here. Yeah. So how do then you or your family balance the cost of living in the UK with other financial goals and priorities? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think a lot of people who are not part of diaspora, mm. um, who are natively from the UK, um, kind of struggle to understand the responsibilities that you have when you are part of diaspora. And by that, I mean, you know, culturally connected to another country. So even though I am not uh, born in India or Taiwan, I still have ties to my family there. Um, I watched my father send money home to India through Western Union my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly with my mother. And, you know, he also, because in Indian culture, like a lot of other global South cultures, um, there's an expectation of dowry, mm-hmm. right? So when, when his sisters got married, he paid their dowry. Uh, so he was constantly saving up for their dowries. And he, I think he even borrowed money to pay his sister, my aunt's dowry. So not only are you worried about rent and bills and putting food on the table, you're also trying to make sure that everyone back home is taken care of, that they, you know, for a long time before my grandmother passed, he was sending money home for her um, hospital treatments, you know, for the education of the kids back home. And so it's quite a lot of responsibility on top of just trying to live, right? Um, and so it's, it's more than just having to care for yourself. I think being an immigrant, oftentimes you have other obligations and responsibilities Back home. Yeah, and I know you talked about parents doing, you know, sending money and all that. Mm. It psychologically, at some point, it impacts on you by yourself. Do you have mm. to do that? You see yourself doing that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, with my cousins now and putting them through their school, um, there's kind of an unspoken expectation, mm. you know, that yeah. you will take that on as well. Um, I know in some cultures, like in a lot of Asian cultures, even because your parents spent so much money raising you, there's also an expectation that you will give them some of yours salary, right? So these are all things that you have to factor in and which is why I often try to remind people, you know, no no one's financial journey is going to be the same Mm -hmm. because, you know, what you have to send home to Uganda Mm. is going to be different than what I send to India. The reasons why will be different. And how we manage that is going to be very different. And again, that yeah. impacts on your cost yeah. of living. Yes. Actually, it's a big problem. What you said is not totally different from mine because we have too much dependency mm. back home in Africa, as well as we do want to live a decent, comfortable life here mm. with my son or my daughter. Mm. You find we are more disintegrated, our families. Our main families are more in Africa. Mm. And because they live in poor economies, we cannot neglect them. Mm. It builds much pressure like on me to do saving mm. for myself or for my children. Whatever I earn, I have to apportion and you find I have to share it with them over there. Mm. So it becomes like 
it's not a bad practice in a way, but financially, that money should not be, I, would, I shouldn't be sending that money to anybody. Mm. But by the nature of our upbringing, like what you said, I cannot leave my, da my dad or my mom to die yeah. when they are sick or they have some basic needs they need and they don't have money. So it becomes like a pattern or a syndrome which is on and on and difficult to cut it off, you know. Perhaps I would think in future with the new generations, our children, yeah. maybe they will cut it off but still very hard to adjust to that. Mm. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, mm. do you expect your children to send money to Uganda? And uh, I don't think at the moment my children would... Yeah. Because now they are more like westernized yeah. compared <laughs> They're to Brits now. Yeah, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it still needs like two more generations, then maybe that cycle will be over. Okay. Even in any case, I don't think I'll give birth to six or ten children. Myself, we are born uh, 12 in my mom, and my dad had three wives, 12 in my mom. Mm -hmm. My stepmom, they are nine. Another stepmom, they are three. Another one, they are two. So you can imagine, I don't think my children are going to go into that cycle to give birth. Mm. No. Yeah. I, if myself, I'm stopping late be on two, then my daughter or my son, maybe one or two, then that cycle will somehow, it still needs more time to mm. be broken. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's hard on the cost of living when you get to balance your own lifestyle here, managing other people's lifestyles outside it's the quite country. Hard, that's the truth mm. because I'm always in debt mm. and know that I'm not hardworking, know that I'm not earning good money, but I'm in debt because I have to apportion for myself, apportion for others. I think the, um, the Financial Times reported a few months ago that there's an uptick in immigrants going to food banks in the UK because there's still the expectation that you're going to send money home. Mm. But then what happens if, if everything is more expensive here, you're still mm. sending the same amount ho home, but then you have less to spend here and everything is more expensive. So now there's a lot of immigrants going to food banks because they can't keep up with, you know, inflation with the costs of living. Mm -hmm. So it is it is a really tricky balance. It is tricky even in a way that the, what we earn here as salaries and the taxation, that money we should be using it here, not send it away. But we go beyond because the budget plan which makes us send money to Africa, it makes us drained more financially, you know, mm -hmm. to remain with nothing. So talking about the difficulties in managing or balancing your lifestyle here, sending money back home and all that, how have you, f have, have you found any unique resources or strategies for ma managing finances as an immigrant in the UK? And if yes, what are they? I don't think uh, I answer. Yeah, go for it. I don't <laughs> think I've managed to see any resources how i can manage finances and perhaps because maybe my interaction is still not too wide enough i'm still closed you know the only thing i know is from going to work 
come home, send money to Africa, and eat, go shopping. Yeah, until maybe now I'm getting open like in this calling me to discuss about the same issues. Yeah, yeah, that's what is now opening up my eyes. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, there's two things. One is. I kind of have a separate pool of money, a savings account that is just for, just in case. Um, and this is separate to my emergency fund, right? Because last year is a great example. Last year, my grandmother passed away in India. Thank you. Um, and it was very sad, but we had to, well, we didn't have to, but I wanted to be in India um, for her puja, which is kind of like a, prayer type thing and so I bought a ticket the week of flying to India right and the cost of a ticket to fly to India last minute and not just that like it's not just oh flying from London to Delhi it was London to Delhi Delhi to Bhubaneswar then the you know the car to the village type of thing um but on top of that I don't know about you but when I go home but when I go to my parents home you have to bring gifts. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually the same. It's actually the same. Yeah. I'll take gifts, you know. You always got to, you've got to bring gifts. Yes, you've got to bring everything to. for the kids. Mm. So that was quite a bit of money. And then later that year, my cousin in Taiwan was getting married. But because of the COVID situation and Taiwan hadn't opened its borders, no. I couldn't buy the ticket in advance. And so it was like, okay, basically a month before buy the ticket now and the cost of course of the ticket was so expensive yeah and then again gifts to bring back to everyone there and that was just you know last year was in particular a very financially heavy year mm-hmm. because two of these events happened in yeah. a row but we always have this thing is mom gets sick you need to fly back yeah. you know something happens you have to be there someone gets married yeah. hopefully has a baby there are happy reasons you go home too but you kind of need to have a separate pool even if you put 10 pounds every week, right? Whatever you can afford just to make sure that just in case, if you need to take that last minute trip, you're ready for it, right? Actually, I've tried that. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, 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 no. I've tried that. Put 50 pounds every end of the month. Yeah. But has not worked. I think you should try putting it at the beginning of the month. <laughs> Uh, paid salary every end of the month and I put okay. directly yeah. 50 pound but by the end of the day I finish even my salary I go back and get the other one and it. Mm. so it has failed to work not that I can't reason or think but I yeah. don't know I'm failing to come out of that cycle mm. yeah. Mm. yeah so do you feel you know your attitude towards money has changed since you immigrated in the UK? How has that changed? Um, I think my my money mentality has changed because I think I'm second generation, mm-hmm. right? So, or depending on which country uh, you're in, I'm second generation or first generation here in the UK. Um, I did not appreciate up until recently, how much my parents sacrificed Mm -hmm. and how much they had to do to provide for my brother and I. 
such that, you know, they were able to put me and my brother through uni, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were able to give us the best that they could give us. Um, and I knew as a child, but I didn't appreciate it to the degree that I understand now. Because now I'm aware that, you know, getting alone is difficult when you're new to a country. So how did they overcome that when they first came to the, to the U.S.? Um, oftentimes they used social groups, mm -hmm. right? So my own company, Blue Money, we've digitized this version of group savings mm -hmm. or savings clubs because we want to make it easier for people to do that and kind of rely on a social group. Mm -hmm. But it's little things like that or just, you know, to your point, maybe they were in debt and mm -hmm. maybe they never told my brother and I. And it's probably a burden that you carry that mm -hmm. you don't tell your children about. So I think I have... Mm -hmm a lot more empathy now uh, about other people's financial circumstances. And I'm now, you know, the first of my friends to say, you know, I want to do this thing. I want to go on holiday. But if you can't, if, you, if it's not financially, you know, doable at this moment in time, I understand. I'm always trying to make sure that we're not leaving anyone out because of financial circumstances or whatever, because mm. you don't know mm. what so, people are going through. Mm. Given the story you've given us, yes. so for anybody, newcomer coming, migrating to the UK, what advice can you give them? My advice is to twofold. One, find your community. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about the UK is We've got beautiful Ugandan community here. We've yeah. got, you know, um, Peckham is nowadays called Little Lagos, right? Like, you know, vibrant Nigerian community. And we've got Indian communities in South Hall and Bangladeshi, Pakistani, mm. so many different cultures around the world. Mm. So somewhere mm. you're going to find your community who not only understands you culturally, but probably has better food. <laughs> uh, the second thing is... Um, well, and I hope to go back to the first thing, um, they will also be able to help you, whether that's including you in their group savings, um, lending you things. So you don't always need to buy things brand new, right? We can borrow a blender. You don't have to go buy a new blender. You can use the community one. You can go to church and, and I'm sure church or, or the mosque will have resources that you can use as well. The second thing um, is no that a credit score will make or break your existence in this country. It's, it's a, a shame that one number, or technically three, there's three different bureaus, mm -hmm. can have so much impact on your life. But sadly, in the UK, um, whether or not you even want to get credit, mm -hmm. the credit score these days can decide whether you can rent a place to live, mm -hmm. right? It can, it's sometimes people will use it for an um, employment screening. Mm -hmm. So your credit score might be taken into account there. If you want to get a phone contract, right? Like so many different things are reliant on your credit score. And so if you're moving to this country, understand that it's going to make or break you and think about ways that you can sustainably build that um, credit score. Yeah, I, I think to add on that, the, I found the mind has changed in a way that the I've improved on managing money, although I'm failing to save. Mm. Whatever comes has to go, but I've improved in a way that even when I go to the bank, I'm able by credit scoring, I can achieve that 
and the bank can give me a loan. Yes, I have a loan now from the bank, mm -hmm. which has helped me. But again, I could not use it here to secure a mortgage. Mm -hmm. I had again to send it to Africa to help me with so many problems. Mm -hmm. Of course, like someone who, who has managed to come to Europe, not living in Africa, you find the money which you earn here again, you end up sending there. However, ability like a great score now, which is so good, mm. it means now I'm in a stable position than the time before yeah. when I came here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So finally, Henry, I've now already asked Nina about this. Well, what advice can you give to the newcomers? Yeah, the newcomers, I would advise them. First of all, we need education. They need education. They need to study to achieve meaningful qualification, right? That would give them a stable employment and good earnings. You cannot come here while you are not going to study, you don't have qualification and you think you're gonna manage financially. You need money which can sustain your life to have a stable base. Yeah, I would advise them generally to see they can first achieve education and whoever is in employment, to take meaningful with whatever he earns, not spend it lousily to take it to buy alcohol, to take it to do other dubious things which are not what's helpful, you know. Yeah, that's what I would do to my friends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for your contribution. Thank that you. was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you too. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Money Podcast. If you're looking to take actionable steps toward achieving your financial goals, visit moneymatex.com. That is money, M-A-T-I-X.com. And join our free Grow Your Money Challenge. Let's unite in the movement to inspire people to talk about money. Thank you for being a part of our community. We'll see you in the next episode.